Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Condon, hour number two. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent and I take you until noon. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from John Bowenkamp. John will join us all in about 25 minutes or thereabouts. Look forward to speaking with John. He was part of the Zoom yesterday with the Hawkeye football program. Uh, lots of ground to cover with John Bowenkamp, as there is with our first guest of the hour, Centurion Stone of Iowa. Sponsors our friend David Kaplan. Off we go to Chicago. Uh, Cap, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Capper. How are you? Are you there? You and all your lists. Oh, absolutely, Cap. Good to talk to you and right back at you. I am here. Good. Uh, Bears in a second, Cap. There was a a story that came out today that, you know, because you had said that, look, they're not going to spend the Cubs, aren't going to spend any money free agent-wise. I'm not sure much credence there is to this, but Jackie Bradley Jr., potentially a a target? Are you buying into that? Uh, it depends on what the dollars would be. I mean, how much are they paying him? Yeah, fair point. That part wasn't that wasn't part of it. I didn't think there was I mean, any if money. You tell there. me he's a five year, you know, forty million dollar deal. That's not happening. No chance. Now, if he's a one year guy at a two million dollars, yeah, that might be possible. They've got a whole lot of moves they got to make though, because they are moving money. I can promise you that. Hmm. How robust is the trade market in comparison, do you believe, to what free agency is going to be? I, I just, it's hard to envision a lot of even those mid level deals being handed out. But in terms of trade activity, do you expect that to be a little bit more blustery here the offseason or less? Uh, not right now, because I think until we have a better handle on fans back in the ballpark, like, I don't think there's any way the season starts on time. I don't see any scenario because they want butts in seats. Right. And that means you have to get, what, 75% of the country vaccinated so that people feel safe going to a game. So I, I don't see any scenario where when we thought the season would start, whatever it is, March 30th, I do not see spring training starting on time. I don't see the season starting on time for that very reason. So, uh, Cap, what are you what are you hearing? Um, potentially May and maybe 144. Go back to, you know, back to 144 games in a regular season. Is that on the table? What give us a couple of scenarios that are being tossed around, Cap? We keep hearing that they wouldn't start playing until somewhere between May one and May fifteen. Obviously, you'd have to cut the number of games down. I'd heard 142. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of different scenarios, but it depends how the rollout of the vaccine goes. Right. Look, there there is no scenario where the American people are going to accept athletes getting vaccinated, you know, quickly so that they can be on the the playing field. Right. And I had this debate with someone at work. They're like, "What about 
you know, the teams in the NFL playoffs. The Super Bowl is like a national holiday. I don't care. We're not talking about, you know, like testing when they started paying for private tests. You make all the tests you want, whatever you want, go ahead and do it. But you're going to tell me that a listener you have right now, I'm just going to pick a random person, 68 years old, might be a touch overweight, and is immunocompromised. A 22-year-old linebacker is going to get a shot before she does? Yeah, I hope not. Stop yourself. Yeah, I hope not. And I think the fallout would be catastrophic for the league because if they said, hey, we've contracted to get whatever number of vaccines it is and every Tier 1 employee that's on the field, trainer, coach, referee, player, all are jumping the line so that they can get back to playing the Super Bowl and have that thing go off without a hitch, if you're an advertiser on that game, I can promise you there are going to be tens of thousands, if not millions, of Americans who go, I'm not going to use that product again. You're supporting jumping NFL players over Ma and Pa Kettle who need to get vaccinated at the top of the list. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Right there with you. And it's a really good point. I think that those conversations are going to increase as we get to the spring. White Sox have made moves. They've been hustling and bustling this off season. What else? Do you envision more? Or from here on out, it's going to be some bit parts, a bullpen arm here, a name you don't know, a guy that's invited to minor league camp. What's left for the White Sox this offseason? I still think they've got to go out and get another left-handed bat unless they're going to just to put all their chips in the Andrew Vaughn basket and believe that Andrew Vaughn is ready right now. Now, he did not play last summer. You didn't have minor league baseball. He's never appeared higher than a ball. Mm. You're trying to win a World Series here. What if that kid, get, and we think he's going to be great, what if Andrew Vaughn gets to the big leagues and by putting, as we like to say, the third deck on the stadium, he freaks out? He may. He may not. He may become the, a Hall of Fame slugger. We don't know. You better have a backup plan. So whether that's Kyle Schwarber or you shop at a more expensive store or you get somebody out who is non-tendered who makes less money, that's their call. But I don't think they're done. And Rick told me the other day we were doing an interview, hey, we're not done. Absolutely not done. Now, I don't think that means $40 million a year for Trevor Bauer, but I do think they're going to get something more than a non-roster invite Yeah, Trevor Bauer would look good over there. That's uh, for certain. Well, he's oh, going to look good with a lot of teams. Cap, uh, did the Bears look good enough this past weekend to appease some people? Um, Look, Mitch played really well. The Bears played really well. But they were like the eighth-grade kid who's picking on a fourth-grader. That's what it was. That, they beat up on a weaker kid. They were this new, the schoolyard bully. That Texans team is god-awful. Yeah, they're not good. And, and as my friend Olin Krutz put it on our post-game show, we keep hearing people in Chicago go, boy, if we just had a left tackle better than Charles Leno. Boy, if we just had a <laughs> franchise quarterback. Well, hold on a second. The Texans paid through the nose and got Laramie Tunsil, who's really good at left tackle. The Texans got the draft right, and they've got a potential superstar quarterback, Deshaun Watson. The Bears? are not just a quarterback away or just a left tackle away. Your defense starting to get older. We still have issues with play calling. You're up 30-7 to at the half, and David Montgomery had 80-yard run on his first carry of the game, the first play of the game. 
and he can't get more carries than 11? Are you kidding me? Come on. What does this uh, resurgence the last two weeks of Mitchell Trubisky mean for him going into next year? Is he still in Chicago in the final year of his contract? Is this? What do you think this is going to – I know whatever happens to the GM – and the coaching spot. That's going to dictate it here. But if you had to look forward, is Trubisky at the very least part of this team next season, or are they just going to completely cut ties and cut him? Well, let me just correct you. His contract's up. They did not pick up his option. That's right. So yes, yep. He's a free agent at the end of this year. So, hmm. you know, if somebody comes along and says, hey, Mitch, you want to come here and be our starter? Mitch could turn to the Bears and go, you know what? Thanks for everything. Uh-huh. I'm out. See you later. Um he played, you know, really well against Detroit. He always does. He played really well against the Texans. They're horrible. I mean, their defense is horrific. J.J. Watt looks like me out there. <laughs> I mean, he can't move. So I'm not convinced the last two weeks mean anything other than it was fun to watch. Now, if you tell me they go to Minnesota and Mitch throws for 365 and four scores and they knock off the Vikings and then – they go to Jacksonville, and he plays really well, and they win again. And then he beats the Packers with the best performance of his career, and the Bears all of a sudden are in the playoffs. I guess that could change the narrative. But it also, what's the cost? Is Mitch going to sign two years for $20 million, or is he looking for that $100 million guarantee? Because that they are not ready to do. You know, Cap, there are, there's still a couple of I – mean, there's three games. Right, and they've got the Vikings this week in, in Minnesota. Both of them have similar records. If the Bears can find a way to this would this would eliminate the Vikings if if the Bears are to get by him. And as you mentioned, the final game of the regular season uh, is uh, home to the Packers with the Jaguars sandwiched in between there. If all of a sudden the playing the Packers for a nine and seven above five hundred record with an opportunity to maybe slide in, I think people would look at this season entirely different. So point. Point being, there's still some uh, things out there worth playing for that may may uh, make this uh, make this fall feel a whole lot better. Completely agree with you. Absolutely, one hundred percent. There is still a lot to play for for the Chicago Bears, and the script hasn't been written. Now, if Mitch plays okay, they win two of three, but he's all right. It's not going to change anyone's perspective that they need to get a new quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to change anyone's perspective that having struck out on Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, that they don't want Ryan Pace picking the next quarterback. And I still think there are people that want to make a change from Matt Nagy's scheme to something that fits the Bears' personality more. Run the football, play action passing, play really good defense look more like the Tennessee Titans than the Kansas City Chiefs because you don't have Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, let alone Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardeman. I, mean, I can keep naming all the studs, Mitchell Schwartz, all those guys. So I think there's a lot to be written, but I still think people clamor for change here. During the hot start, it was, boy, that defense with Khalil Mack on one side, Robert Quinn on the other. Uh, how good they're going to be. Quinn played well last week, finally. Finally, yeah. but Who did? Robert Quinn. Well, he didn't have a he didn't have a play no. a tackle last week. I, and Quinn is Mac was good last week. Yeah. Okay. If Quinn continues this path, is this I mean one of the bigger busts? How, how big of a taint of this to the Ryan Pace era, a free agent that 
on paper seemed to make sense, and it hasn't worked out, at least numbers-wise. Well, this goes down as arguably, we talked about this on the air the other day, we asked our callers, is this the worst free agent signing in Bears history? <laughs> Absolutely is on the team photo. I mean, Brian Cox back in the day was an awful signing. There were a handful of really, really expensive, bad signings. This one, $70 million with 30 guaranteed. I would say that that's probably the worst free agent signing in Bears history. Uh, Nagy, what, what's he got to do to save his gig? Um, I'm not convinced in a pandemic. I keep hearing, well, they're young guys and they're really good in the room. They are great dudes. They are. I've been around both of them. I've had dinner with Ryan multiple times. Great people. But great people, this is a business. If Kenny Miller isn't delivering that you can be the nicest guy in the world at some point, Hey, man, I love you, but it's business, and you're not performing for me. So that's where I'm at. Ryan, love you. You're a great dude, good family man. You're great in the room. The culture up here is good. We don't win enough football games, and you missed three out of four top ten draft picks, which are really hard to bust. I mean, they busted them. Leonard Floyd, uh, Kevin White, Mitchell Mm. Trubisky. If all three of those guys are not here by next year, two of them already are gone. Boy, it's hard to live that down. David Montgomery's come on the last few weeks. Is this what he is? Is this, even behind an adequate offensive line, a top 10, top 12 type running back in the league? Do you do you think that's what it is? Or, hey, you take away that 80-yard gain and those numbers don't look very good in comparison to a lot of the other. Where are you at with Montgomery? I like David Montgomery. I like the draft pick. Look, he's, there's a reason that he was never considered – a first-round pick. Right. He doesn't have breakaway speed. <laughs> That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. But he's got really good hands. He's in really good breaking tackles. He runs his routes correctly. He's good in pass protection. Like He does a lot of really good things. He's just never going to be that guy that give him one sliver and he's gone. He's a 4-2-40 guy. He's not. That doesn't mean he's not a really productive, really good guy to have in your running back room. I like David Montgomery. I do. I think he's got a bright future. I think the Bears really like David Montgomery. But is he ever going to be a 25-carry, 1,700-yard, and, oh, my God, caught caught 115 passes like Matt Forte did? No shot. Uh, Back to where we started, Cap, the baseball here to wrap things up. When do you think that – I mean, I I get why why baseball hasn't come forward with – a plan. I'm sure they've got a you know a whiteboard and they've been putting some stuff on there and they've erased it and they go back the next week and put some more stuff up and then back to the drawing board type of thing. When do you think we'll know? Would it will it be January? Will it be you know mid January, getting close to February before Major League Baseball uh, lets us know what they're planning on doing? Yeah, I don't see anything coming out next week. I don't think it comes out the week after. So now we're to the first of the year. And, I mean, it's not like they're feeling a de- deal is imminent. We don't even know. You're asking Jed Hoyer to construct a roster in a pandemic where he doesn't know how many tickets his ownership group's going to be able to sell. So that probably means he's got two different budgets. Budget with no fans, budget with, you know, half the stadium full, because we're not going to have full stadiums this year. And then he doesn't know, hold on a second, do we have the DH? I don't mm-hmm. know. Are we keeping the three batter minimum? 
Yeah, we haven't quite decided that. So there's so much unknown, and he could end up, you know, building his roster, and then they go, yeah, that guy you signed who's only a DH, yeah, there's no DH this year. So that's why you're going to see, I think, glacier-like movement in the industry. I agree with you. Cap, we're out of time. Thank you for what you do for us. We will uh, grab you once. uh, We'll grab you next week at the same time if your schedule allows. Thank you, Capper. Appreciate you coming on. My schedule will allow. I'm off radio after Tuesday for the rest of the year. You can call me as much as you want. Thank you, pal. We'll uh, we'll take you up on that. Thanks, Cap. See you. Good to talk to you. David Kaplan uh, from Chicago, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Have you watched his show after the Bears games with the – Former players, Lance Briggs, Krutz, Cap. I think there's one more. Early in the season, yes. Yeah. Not as much lately. Right. <laughs> when they were rolling, uh-huh. you were in. Uh-huh. A little easier. Uh-huh. After the fourth and then the fifth and then the sixth straight loss, it was a little more difficult, too. But, yeah, I flip it on from time to time, just depending you know, what's kind of happening. If it's a noon game, what games are happening early afternoon, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I flip it on from time to time. Really enjoy it. Olin Krutz is great. Yeah, get a kick out of that right. guy, and uh, Cap being the quarterback leader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they beat Minnesota, yeah, even if they lose to Jacksonville, and then somehow come back and prevent Green Bay from getting the one seed. Oh yeah, even that's an eight and eight football team. They mm-hmm. didn't make the playoffs. Feel pretty good. You knocked out the Vikings no. and the Packers. No, still no. Huh? Seen one playoff in the Pace regime. It's been a while. Yeah, moral victories. Moral victories work. College moral victories work at the high school level, the professional level. There's no moral victories. No, not for them, but for the fan base. They're <sighs> just keeping the Packers out of the one seed. I don't care. I, I really don't. Okay, and know what? Green Bay can still win the Super Bowl, and we can't. And they still they... have a quarterback, and we don't. No, and they're still fun to watch, and we're not. <laughs> All those things. Okay, it was an afternoon that ultimately nobody will remember long term. Mm. Because it's what happens in the playoffs. And how you get to the playoffs and how the seating shakes out doesn't matter. They'll be there. You won't. No, that doesn't do anything. Uh, we will uh, take a timeout, come back with John Bolenkamp. We'll get into the Iowa situation. Uh, very kind of a, not uplifting. It was a disappointment. It was a kick in the you-know-whats that the game was canceled. Yeah. But I thought that they handled it really well. Well, and I really enjoyed Kirk just point blank. We're not scheduling another game. Right. There's going to be... Take any of that gray area away. Yep. And he was very cut and dry. And the reasons for it, and you can argue it, and you can be upset about it. A, part one, the Big Ten was not going to allow Iowa to play a game outside of the conference. Wasn't going to happen. Even with no games no. left? Nope. Nope. You can't do that after what happened with Nebraska. But they still had a full season to play. I still thought, can't do it. Still can't do it. The Big Ten changes the rules, Trent. You've seen that. That is a completely different circumstance, though. And it's... The circumstances there that we're arguing, I think, semantics in that. You put the right team in the championship game. They beat Indiana. You put in, in the grand scheme of things, a rule that was in place for a different reason than what it was ultimately put in. Really, the reason they put that rule in is so we didn't get to the final week of the season, you have a tiebreaker, and then you just don't play a game. That's why they ultimately, I think, put that rule in there. Should have they? We can argue that. But this is different. You've already told Nebraska no. You can't tell a conference member then yes, even if it is the end of the year. And Kirk shot it down. 
We're not going to yeah, do very it. quickly. We're not going to do it, right? Because Twitter, Twitter got pretty active after yes. the game was canceled, and then folks are trying to. Well, who else isn't playing this weekend? When do we put, match these two? Would we go there? Would, uh, would Georgia come to Kinnick Stadium they on Saturday have. night? Is there any chance we can reach out to Colorado? These two teams have played before. Dot dot dot. Well, hang on a second. There's that rule, but you know what? The season's over. It's not like there's another game against two Big Ten schools coming up. Maybe they'll uh, circumvent that. Uh, but that was shot down very quickly. Yeah, Two fifteen. Kirk said enough of that. Enough of that, indeed. Uh, John Bowen Camp on that. It's eleven twenty-five. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM. We supply the sports. The beer is up to you. Fourteen sixty AM, one hundred six point three FM. This is Kaiken Building. Welcome back. No one should go hungry, especially not during the holidays. That's why Food Bank of Iowa is working to provide 4 million meals for our Iowa neighbors in need. If you can help put food on the table for another family, please visit foodbankiowa.org. Trent, I forgot to read about our friends at Centurion Mm -hmm. Stone after we had Cappy on. If you're in the market for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa has a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. The website, centurionstoneofiowa.com. Visit the showroom, uh, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Thank you, Justin Luch and Joe Farron, Centurion Stone, the whole staff over there, Centurion Stone of Iowa, for making Cappy possible uh, with us every single Wednesday at 11.05. John Bowenkamp joins the program. John, crazy question to start sure. things off. Trent and I were just talking during the break. We're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to watch tonight. And Purdue and Ohio State collide. And, of course, Edie, the newcomer for Purdue, and they've always got one of these kids that's seven foot tall. Uh, this kid's yeah. seven foot three. Would you like to be seven three? <laughs> we were debating that I during the break. I don't think I would. How about you? I don't think so. I, I just, I don't. I, I, I think that there's, yeah, I, I just, I mean, living my five nine life is right. different, you know. I mean, I and, and I mean, having lived it for long enough, I, I don't, I just don't think I can do it. That's that's pretty tall. That's you know, um, I, I just I don't think I can do it. Yeah, bumping your head in doors, having yeah. to duck all the time. I don't think I could do it. Well, I, I always think back to every time when you think about big people, and I, I mean, obviously this this is an extreme example, but I remember that Andre the Giant documentary Ooh, yeah. was on HBO, and they were telling about how they would fly to Japan, mm-hmm. right? and how he couldn't fit in the plane bathroom, you know, and had, they had to buy two first-class seats for him. And, you know, I, I just keep thinking about that, and I'm like, that's, you know, that's crazy. That's, you know, how could you live your life like that? I don't know. The but. picture of him palming a can of Molson Canadian. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> just, yes. And disappearing in his hand. And it was about to disappear. Well, anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. let, let's move on. But um, crazy place to start. But there we go. So let's go back to yesterday. Sure, why not? Why not, right? Uh, John, yeah. I thought that, um, you know, everybody was disappointed. Well, maybe that's painting with a pretty right. broad brush. But uh, the Michigan-Iowa wasn't going to play under the lights. Primetime. 
uh, on uh, on Saturday night. Sure, was up against the SEC in the AAC championship games, dot, dot, dot. But Iowa, Michigan winner brought some eyeballs to the television. We were all disappointed. But then everybody, you know, you start listening to Kirk Ferentz, and I think he changed a lot of people's minds. Instead of, you know, dwelling on what didn't happen, celebrate what did. I thought he, right. I thought he handled it extremely well, John. Yeah, and he, he made the point that, and it was something that I've thought about since Saturday. It's like, look, you know what? They got in their eight games. They didn't have any problems. They made it to the end. And, you know, yeah, if they would have played Saturday night, that would have been great. But if they don't, so what? You know, I mean, you're going to get a good bowl game. I mean, you're going to get, I mean, you know, and, and again, if that's what you want to do, if you want to go play. But, but, they're going to get a good bowl game. They had they had a great season. They had a great finish. You know those those players yesterday during because we had the player availability at eleven a.m. and you kind of knew by then that maybe there was something going on. Just you know, kind of the reports out of Michigan and all those guys were re- relaxed and having fun. And I thought, you know what they and and I keep thinking back then to Saturday's game and the way they acted. You know, after that game, and I'm like, you know what they've they've done they've they've done their work here. And and this has been a great season, and it's going to end in a bowl game. And they appreciate it. Kirk appreciates it. So we we should appreciate it because you know we didn't think we were going to have this in August. And you know for to have that game, you know you're beating Wisconsin. It's snowing. You know guys are doing snow angels. And I thought that was perfect. This this worked out. This ended as as perfectly as it could, outside of not making it to the championship game. At zero and two. I remember coming in here, Ken and I asking the question, are we seeing the end yeah. of the Kirk Ferentz era? Sure. Obviously what happened this summer. I'm sure we talked to you about it, John, as we yeah. talked to seemingly everybody about it. Yet here they are. He still seems full of energy. Mm-hmm. He still seems to absolutely love what he does. The emotion that you saw come out of him when the guy just started clapping for him in the locker room after the Wisconsin game. It doesn't feel like a guy that's going out the door here. So how much is left? How much is left in the tank here? What's realistic? Do we have still another five years of Kirk Ferentz on the sidelines at Kinnick Stadium? Right, sure, why not? Why I mean, not? I, I mean, I honestly think that. I mean, I, I'm like you. I mean, I think back to when they were zero two, and let's be honest, this could have gotten away from. Mm-hmm. There could have been guys in that in that in that in that building that said, "You know what? We're we're done. We're not, you know this is stupid to play this season. We're done." And they could have walked out the door, and instead they came together. And, and won six in a row and, and did it impressively. I mean, this wasn't just like, you know, they were just pulling out wins here and there. I mean, they were impressive the whole way. Other, and I mean, I know the Nebraska game was kind of ugly, but it was still a win, and it was a good win for them. And I think it's a credit to him. I think it's a credit to him, and I think it's a credit to the players of buying into, and he mentioned it yesterday, that they basically, when, when they knew there was going to be a season, they just said, look, we're gonna we're gonna do this through January second, and then we get some time off. And we get to get away for a little while, and I think they set that 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 milepost of get to January second. You know, get that bowl game in and be done with it. And um, I, I admire them for what they've been able to do, and, and a lot of respect for those players and for that staff for sure. keeping this together. No question about it. John Bowen Camp, amongst other places, of course, he. Uh, 
Uh, for AP, you can find him over there, stringing for the AP, iowacollegehoops.com, dot, dot, dot. We'll get to Gonzaga and <laughs> Iowa in a second, which is going to be through the roof. So what, uh, what kind of the speculation as far as a bowl game? We see there's, there's more to it. Since Trent and I have been on the air, K-State and Virginia Tech have both decided that their seasons are done. They're not going to participate mm-hmm. in bowl games. What are kind of some of the, um, the speculative, uh, destinations, if you will, outback bowl. There seems to be a lot of momentum, um, gain. There's gaining momentum towards back to Tampa for the outback bowl. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah. What are you hearing? I mean, that, that's the one that I just keep seeing everywhere. And I mean, the Citrus Bowl, you know, which is in Orlando, same sort of deal. Um, I think it's one of those two spots. I, I and I think they're both good places for them. I mean, I don't know how many fans are going to be able to let in. I, I think it's going to be a small number. I think in a couple of those places. But, you know, it, it's going to be a different bowl trip. You're not going to go down for a whole week. It's probably going to be right. you fly in a couple nights for the game, uh, play the game, and go home the next day. I, I think it's probably what it's going to be, and, that, and that's fine. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that's a good way to do it. I think it's, it's a good finish for them. Um, you know, could they have gotten into a New Year's Six game that they would have played Saturday night? Well, maybe. I mean, it all just kind of depends on what happens around them. But, I mean, I think this is a good destination. I think. You know they're familiar with both spots. I think I think it's a good destination either one of John Bonacamp joining us to basketball. All right, let's get to it. Mm. Gonzaga, they are back practicing. They prep mm. to make their way over. And I was just thinking, just a stupid thought. This is a huge game for them too. Taking on yes. a third ranked team, taking on a team from a power conference. So they do it all the time during non-conference. This is a 9 a.m. tip-off out in Spokane. Oh, yeah. Body clock, I don't think it's going to be an issue. They're going to be there beforehand. But just think of the fan base. you got to get up and you got to get a 9 a.m. game to see your team play one of their biggest games of the season. Just how weird that is, John. Yeah, it really is. I mean, when, I mean, really, when you think about it, and we never think about it. No. You know, it's always, you know, we're used to, I mean, these guys are used to getting up early and, and playing noon games or whatever. And so does it make a difference? Well, if, if they fly in the day before, yeah, it might make a difference. But um, you know, it's still it's still a talented team. It's Ugh. still it, it's it's really hard to believe. I mean, with everything going on, and in fact, there haven't been fans in the arena. I think kind of takes away. I mean, because just think about what that would be like with the sellout crowd and everything else. And but I mean, I this is this is as big a game as this program has seen in years. And and so I, I just I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, ditto. I mean, Gonzaga's got some guys, as you well know. They got a yeah. whole bunch of guys with uh, Timmy and Kispert and Ayaye and Suggs. This could be a hell of a basketball game. I I don't know what the over under is going to be, Trent, but I'm assuming uh, there'll be a lot of people that are really uh, looking at that number because boy, there's going to be some points scored. Is that how you see it, John? Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day. They're like, should. Should I bet the over? And I'm like, well, the over under is probably going to be about 170. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's um, so you might want to think twice on that because you never know what can happen when a number gets that high. But I mean, I, I do think it's going to be a high scoring game. Sure. I think that you know, but I was also you know I was looking through the through the Gonzaga stats and and I don't see you know I mean they haven't played for a while and I right. think maybe that might make a difference too. And you know, so I mean, here's Iowa. You got six games in. You know, you, you you played three in in six days and 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 were impressive in all three of them, and and then you get a little time off. I think I think Iowa's in really good shape right now for this game. 
You know, I didn't realize that. They haven't played since Suggs got hurt against West Virginia, and they've yep. been shut down. I I didn't realize that's been that long since. And that West Virginia, they were up after 20 minutes. And West Virginia I, played well. Even in a loss, I walked away, I think, yeah. maybe more impressed with West Virginia than it was at Gonzaga, just because we weren't sure exactly how good this West Virginia team was. We know about the Zags. John, from there, it's Big Ten play. And mm. yeah. this Big Ten, we talked about at the top, Purdue, Ohio State, Minnesota didn't play great against Illinois, but they got some pieces, and you have to go there early in the season. We know why the slog it's going to be, and especially at the end of the year here. The Big Ten was really good last year. Better, worse, about the same as what we saw a season ago? I think a little better. but And, and so then that becomes a really scary thought when you think how good this league was yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I mean, that's the thing for Iowa is, is, I mean, everybody's gearing up for this game on Saturday. It's like, okay, cool. If they win, that's really cool. But then you're going to turn around a couple of days later and open Big Ten play against a team that has given you fits over the years. And so it's like, uh, this is, this is kind of a neat and interesting stretch for them because you have this big game at the front and then you just go right into Big Ten play. There's hardly any time for, you know, to rest and enjoy if you win on Saturday or whatever. So, I, this is a good test for this Iowa team that I think has the maturity to handle it. Uh, John Bowenkamp is our guest. John, I know you're in the building to see the Northern Illinois game, uh, and it was a blowout, and I'm not sure how many people saw this at the end. Uh, one of the final timeouts, Fran McCaffrey didn't want to be in the huddle, told Connor, seemingly, and this is what it looked like on TV, you know, to, to, uh, to run the timeout, if you will. Um, sure. I thought, I mean, have you seen that before? And, and what does this mean? Does this mean, you know, is, is, is Connor maybe going to school a little bit for, for, for a, a future down the road? That's what was my takeaway. Not that he's going to take over for Pops, but just to, to run a huddle during a timeout. Does, have you seen that before? No, but I, I will say this about Connor, and, and, and I wrote about this last season. We all wrote about last season, but he's really big into film study and, knowing things and Fran has talked a lot with us about how Connor runs that offense and runs that team. And so I think it was a good opportunity for them to hear another voice, to hear the voice of a peer, to hear the voice of somebody who really knows what he's talking about. I thought that, I I think that's a really good thing for this team. And I think, I think Connor has a lot of influence in this locker room and within this program, just for the fact that he knows where to put guys. I mean, you still see guys come out of timeouts, and go to him and say, where do we need to go? Mm. You know, especially the younger guys. So it, I didn't I didn't see it, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, just because I know how much respect that the team has for Connor and, and, and the way he leads this team. And I think, again, another good sign of this team of, the, of its maturity that you could do that and, and people are going to listen to you. John, it looks like lost season for you and I, A.J. Green under the yeah. knife with a hip injury and mm-hmm. hope to have him back next season. But Drake... Keeps mm. plugging away, keeps pulling up victories, and another impressive one is they win it by nearly 30 against Air Force. Look, they haven't played anybody, even in, I don't believe, the top 150 of the Ken Palm numbers and the, the best mm-hmm. win they have against Kansas State early in the season here, and probably won't take on anybody overly difficult till they see Loyola in the middle of January, but they just keep doing it. DeVries, it seems like the pieces are continually changing, that this guy always knows how to win games. What's this program becoming? What do you think are the, are the heights of the future for Drake basketball? There's always a surprise team in the Valley. There's always that one team that nobody ever really thinks about, and then by about mid-February they're contending. I think that that's the season. 
I think I think this team is I think again, yeah, they haven't beaten, you know, you look at where they're you know, the teams they've beaten, but the fact is they're still winning. And they're mm-hmm. playing, and they're and they're and they're and they're gaining some momentum. You know, once you get in the league play, which is going to be a little weird. You know, you're going to have to handle that playing the same team back to back days, right. um, that sort of thing. But so you want to be in good shape right now. You want to be you want to be mentally and physically in good shape. And when you have those wins that they've had, and you've got this momentum, that's really good when you get into Val into Valley play. In you and I's case, you know, and Jake talked about this the other day on Monday. It's it, it's kind of a reset for them. You know, look, we don't need to play Wisconsin and, and, and you know, and, and, and was it Mar- yeah, Marshall. And you're not going to play those games. And so now you get set for your next sort of the Valley play and you get healthy and all that other stuff. So I, I think mentally they're in a good place, too, as, as you get into conference play. But the way Drake's playing right now, that, that's just a good sign that this is a team that might surprise some teams once they get into valley play just because of what they've been able to do so far. Yeah, lose the big fella, Liam Robbins, who fouled out last night for Minnesota. I forgot he was on the team. I turned on <laughs> the game and thought, oh, I'd recognize that dude. And uh, Yeah, they, they haven't missed a beat so far. Good for them. But, yeah, you're right, John. I just pulled up the schedule. With the exception of Northern Iowa, uh, who they don't play back-to-back, everything else is we heard, yeah. but I just forgot that you, know, you play them back-to-back nights, Indiana State. Sunday the 27th, Monday the 28th, Southern Illinois, the 3rd and the 4th, dot, dot, dot. Uh, will you go to um, uh, Christmas night? Will you get in the car and drive to the, to, to the Twin Cities to watch Iowa and Minnesota, John? Any plans? No, that? I'll, I'll do that one from home. I, you know, it's, it, I, you know, and that's going to be, that's one of the interesting sidebars to this season is that, you know, it, it, I mean, you're going to go to the games and then do everything online. You might as well stay at home, yeah. you know, so... Um, that's what I'll do for that. My mom would kill me if I was in Minnesota. Because <laughs> so, I called her the day the schedule. I said, well, I'm not going to be home for Christmas. Iowa's playing that night. She wouldn't mind if they were playing in Iowa City. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little far away. So. Gotcha. Got to gotta make mom happy. Indeed, absolutely. IowaCollegeHoops.com. John Bowencamp. John, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You do the See same. Good to talk to John Bowencamp. We talk a little football and basketball with John. One of my favorite guests. I, I like Bowencamp. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Fun to talk hoops, yep. football with. And uh, Davion Nixon named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Well, uh, not, not a huge surprise by any means. What a year he had. Yeah. Think where he was, Trent, to where he is now. Looked like he was out the door. Kind of did. He was he? in the portal, was. the transfer portal. Yep. Decided and now he will around. be out the door. And even when they pl- placed him at Iowa Western, yeah. though he signed his letter of intent, still had some work that he had to do, Alabama came and said, whoa, 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 he signed his letter of intent with Iowa, stay away, Crimson Tide. And it worked out pretty well for, for both yes. parties, right. to yeah. say the least. We'll come back, finish up the program. It's Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. The Iowa State Cyclones are headed to the Big 12 Championship Game. We've got you covered all week long. From coverage on every local show, to Chris Williams in Dallas, to Jethro's Barbecue Cyclone Sound Off after the game. Enjoy the ride with us, Cyclone fans, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.3 AM at 106.3 FM. KXNO. Vasectomies. Yes, we're talking vasectomies. It's Trent Condon from KXNO. If your family is complete, the time is now to get on the horn and make your appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa. The time for my vasectomy is coming up. I set up my appointment with a great group of doctors at the Urology Center of Iowa. It was easy to do, and you can do it as well. Now is the time to maximize your insurance benefits before the end of the year. Call 515 400 
400-3550. Again, 400-3550. To set up your appointment today or go online, iowauro.com. That's iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. No ice packs or bags of Francisco World Spirits competition. It's time for the Urology Center of Iowa audio cut of the day. Long one on the way. Won't drop by a lead. Three and a one as well. You're factoring points. And sometimes you may have to do it from the seat of your pants. What a heads-up play by Justin Butts. Set up your vasectomy appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa at 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com. Vatek, I gave a winner last night, and uh, that was Cordell Pemsel making the play for the Hokies. Got a pass from his teammate who was on his backside after an offensive rebound. Cordell had five as Vatek gets it done, and... Got another college winner for you tonight. Well, what is it? All right, let me let me pull up my. Uh, I have a group of them, but I got to give just one, right? Because you just give one. Give your best play of the night, best bet of the evening. I'm scrolling through. Where was it? Where was it? Ah, here it is. I think this one's easy. Okay, we're we're all ears. It's Notre Dame against Duke. They're getting three and a half Duke's at home. Not very good. They're not. The Johnson kid. Best player, I guess, for Duke, the freshman, who was really good in the first game and has been okay since. He's not playing. Didn't even travel with the team. They've shut it down. They're not good. Notre Dame is not very good themselves, but get three and a half. Grab Notre Dame. There is the play of the day. Well, thank you to the Urology Center of Iowa for our cut of the day, and we go to Cordell Pemsel. Good for him. Glad that he's uh, found a spot there and he's getting some uh, court time at least. Well, not a lot tonight. We'll we'll watch Notre Dame and Duke to see how you do. Um, What else have we got? Purdue and the Buckeyes, TCU and Oklahoma State for the Big 12 fans. Ah, Not the shiniest night of sports. They should have held the selection uh, show till tonight. Yeah, good point. There was a lot of good games last night. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, by the way, boy, Minnesota got pounded by Illinois. When Illinois is right, Coburn was right yesterday. They're That's really for good. certain. Murphy Natty, two fanatics at four. Uh, then the morning rush tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. Thanks for being here. 1460, 106.3 FM.